This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision, every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, I'm Oliver Condit, the editor of BBC Music Magazine, and welcome to the BBC Music Podcast. You can buy a copy of the magazine at your local newsagents or download our app to your iPad, Kindle Fire or Android tablet. And for the latest music news and more, head to our website at classical-music.com. This week, we gather together members of the BBC Music Magazine team for First Listen, a monthly slot where members of the magazine editorial team chat about and rate an important new release. With me in the BBC Music Studio today are Jeremy Pound, the Deputy Editor, and Rebecca Franks, our Reviews Editor. Hello. Hello. This month we've been listening to a world premiere recording of James McMillan's St Luke Passion, performed by the Netherlands Radio Philharmonic Orchestra, the Netherlands Radio Choir, the Netherlands National Youth Choir, and all under the baton of Marcus Stentz. And that's on the Challenge Classics label. So is this recording a beautiful portrayal of the Passion of Christ, or have we ourselves been left suffering? Jeremy, what are your first impressions of this new recording? Well, my first impressions is how different it is from um, Macmillan's St John Passion, which I, he wrote a few years ago and which I really enjoyed. Um, quite appropriately, this is a little bit more restrained than St John, which actually reflects the natures of the texts of the Gospels themselves, because St John is quite a... It's a big bone philosophical gospel, whereas St. Luke, the language in St. Luke is actually an awful lot more simple. 
And Macmillan does very well to reflect that in in the music. The orchestra is pared down. So we, we've only got um, light brass. We have got percussion, but it's only timpani. Um, and a lot of the core writing is actually quite simple and, and, and quite, I wouldn't say light, but it's not, it's not big and aggressive. Um, I quite enjoyed it, in fact. Um, um, what you really instantly notice straight away is that the evangelist moments, the narrative is told by the whole chorus rather than just a, a soloist, which takes a little bit of a while to get used to if you're used to kind of the Bach tradition of evangelists, then arias and then choruses, etc. But there is a sort of Bachian structure to it. There is a certain sense of um, uh, there, there being a chorale, uh, a smaller choir section, a large choir section, a, a very sort of important sort of orchestral textures. But but we don't have the evangelist soloist. I mean, that is the main difference. I suppose with any passion setting, it's sort of impossible to forget Bach and any composer probably has to take on Bach in a way. And he has pared down the orchestra. I think he's, he said he was looking back to a sort of more Baroque feel with the, with the organ and the timpani and the and as you say the light brass and and there are specific references as well to Bach um in it's 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 written in four sort of four parts this the prelude chapter 22 chapter 23 and the postlude postlude and at the end of chapter 23 you actually get a Bach chorale that emerges out of the texture with this kind of brass um sort of crazy brass over the top it's almost Ives, like Charles Ives or something, the kind of collage of these two effects. So he does actually make direct reference to Bach as well. So let's hear the dramatic opening of the St. Luke Passion. So that was a dramatic opening to the St. Luke Passion by James McMillan on a new world premiere recording. Um, I, I, I really love the sort of the almost sort of primal um, screams in those in, in that extract, and you get that in James McMillan's um, Seven Last Words on the Cross. You get the, the outbursts, the sort of, of the crowd, presumably as, as Christ is being trialed or being crucified. Um, and, and James McMillan has this wonderful knack, I think, of of encapsulating that in, in beautiful writing. I think, and and he he sort of um, pairs that with I think very beautiful textural, soft, very tender writing too. I was just thinking the same thing that you have this very dramatic writing and sort of very imposing actually but then it is contrasted with the much more um, beautiful tranquil writing especially in the children's chorus who represent Christ. I think that's really beautifully done um, here and he often writes, he, he's described in the, in the booklet notes writing um, in one or three parts to represent um, either the oneness or the, the Trinitarian nature of God. Um, so it's interesting again to refer back to Bach that there was this kind of um, 
link between sort of numerology and, and religious symbolism that you could put into the passion writing, which is what Bath did, and, and I mean, he's, he's doing that here too. I mean, clearly he's not just musically invested in this story. He's very much, you know, himself invested in the story. He's a, you know, a devout Catholic, really believes in, in the power of music to portray this kind of music, and, and in that way is very much of, of the Barking tradition as well. Yes, un- unlike the likes of kind of Howells and Vaughan Williams who went before him, he did that, he does actually believe, which is, oh, it's interesting that, I mean, because Vaughan Williams' settings are very, very passionate as well, but he, he was actually an agnostic, whereas Macmillan actually is a, is a practising Christian. So I think we're going to hear another extract now. This is uh, the children's chorus, which is set at the Last Supper as Jesus offers the cup to his disciples. That was taken from chapter 22 in Macmillan's Luke Passion. There we hear um, Christ offering the cup to his disciples and saying, divide it amongst you. And my one little problem there, I suggest, is that I couldn't actually hear the words that clearly. Now, I was kind of following it on the, the words actually on the internet at the time. So that's why I knew what was going on. But if you were just listening to, to the recording just itself, you wouldn't really be able to follow what was going on there. And that happens occasionally in this recording. And actually, there's not in the, the libretto is not included in the booklet notes, although you can find it on um, Challenge Classics' website. Oh, and I would say slightly in their defence that um, trebles in a high tessitura are notoriously bad at enunciating their words anyway. But still, I think it's a, it's a story that you absolutely have to hear the words. Words, yeah. Well, he deliberately wrote it, and he set it in an English text, didn't he? Because he wanted that directness. You know, and his narrative setting is so good that it's a shame you can't actually hear what's what's going on. Because he is a brilliant narrator, is is Macmillan when he composes like this. And his orchestral textures are wonderful. I mean, I get Mahler, I get Bruckner, I get Howells, English string writing. You get uh, you get all manner of influences coming in on that, and the beautiful sort of simplicity of, of plain chant as well. Yeah, there are some moments that really, really did stand out for me. Um, again, in uh, chapter 23, um, there's this bit where there's some very tender setting of the words, um, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. And this beautiful layering of the vocal lines with oboes and dialogue and strings. They almost sound like seagulls or it's that weeping kind of effect. Um, and then again, um, you sort of get these orchestral passages at the ends of the sections. And some of it actually remind me of sort of Britain, the, the sort of sweep and the surge of and Britain. The, the atmosphere at the beginning of chapter 23, which I'd like us to listen to in a second, he sets the atmosphere there brilliantly. You immediately can picture the crowd marching Jesus off towards Pilate. It's, it's very well done.
as I say, that's the that's the beginning of chapter twenty three there, where we can hear um, the crowd marching Jesus towards Pilate um, for the second time, um, and it's from trying, chapter twenty three of Luke's gospel. What I did spot there, actually, which is really interesting, is I'm convinced that McMillan um, might have been listening to a little bit of Respighi here because it's very very close to Respighi's um, Belkis, which if you if you know that, it's it's extraordinarily similar and it's sort of. Orientalism and also the instrumentation as well at the same time. That's what I quite like about his musical language, actually, is you can spot all these kind of interesting references, but it does sound utterly like James Macmillan, doesn't it? It doesn't really, you know, it's distinctive. It's his his voice. And even in the brass writing, you get those sort of what what you call Scotch snaps. You get those, the the sort of traditional Scottish folk music, even coming into the areas where you hear the Respighi, where you hear the Benjamin Britten. You know, it still comes back to James Macmillan, his his sort of, um, his his folk roots, I think. I think it's interesting. Apparently, this is the second of four planned passion settings. He's already done the St. John's. So, you know, I think... Um, it will be interesting to see where he goes next and what kind of you know, what changes in mu- his musical style and language he brings about. He's doing them in reverse order, of course, because he's gone John Luke, so presumably Mark will come le- next and he'll finish off with Matthew. Yes, well, yes, the, Matthew being the, uh, the, 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 the passion that is going to be compared the most, I think, to Bach. Yeah. So I think it's time for some scores. Jeremy, scores out of 10 for the, for the, uh, for the St. Luke passion. I really enjoyed it. I'll admit that I've got a lot of listening to do to really kind of get it under my belt, as it were. Is that I think it's a piece which is going to reward multiple listenings because there's all sorts of different things you can pick up here, there and everywhere. At the moment, I'm going to give it 8 out of 10. Rebecca? 8 out of 10 from me as well. And this is a piece I would have loved and would love to hear live as well because I think it would um, have a... That, that directness would be a great thing to experience, you know in person um but yeah a recording that's well worth hearing and um i think for once i agree eight out of ten for me i um i also agree with you rebecca i think that it needs to be heard live i think there's a real spatial aspect to this i think no doubt in the performance um choirs would have been placed in various parts of the concert hall brass maybe at a separate part of the orchestra it's very difficult to know but but i certainly know that james mcmillan is very theatrical in his presentations of his passions i actually went to the st john passion premiere and it was it was it was a very very dramatic um very dramatic visually as well as orally um, but I thought this was a wonderfully recorded, beautifully played, and, and a very movingly sung um, account. And for that, yes, absolutely, I'll be revisiting it a lot. And eight out of ten. So I think that gives us an average of eight out of ten. Um, so join us next month when we'll be discussing another new release. But in the meantime, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this BBC Music Magazine podcast, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at classical-music.com or simply head to iTunes.